From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, taxi, RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. Uh, to those checking us out on one of our affiliate stations on both sides of the border, of course, the Conspiracy Show app, the podcasts, of course, TalkZone.com, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, iTunes. Uh, those watching or uh, joining us on our Hangout on Air, streaming us live on YouTube, wherever and however you're listening. It's great to have you here. Thanks for your fine company. Uh, Albert Vinzel is here running our Hangout on Air. Just again, uh, once again, if you'd like to join the Hangout on Air, the HOA, uh, go to my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett. At Richard Serrett, S is in Simon, Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. Just go to the top of the feed, click on the HOA link, the tweet that has the HOA in it, and you're in. Jamie is uh, on the other side of the glass, twisting Nile, uh, dials and flying this ship into the night and straight on till morning. Good to have you here, Jamie. Ian Robertson, our uh, rockabilly friend, is off. He's our technical producer. He's off uh, gigging somewhere. He'll be back in a couple of weeks, but uh, we have uh, Jamie tonight and next week, I believe. All right, my children are not really impressed uh, that their dad is on radio or TV, could care less, quite frankly, and who could blame them? But several weeks ago, I told them that I have been featured in a comic book, and suddenly, their eyes lit up, and suddenly they saw me in a whole new light. Now I was legitimate. Now, you know, dad is in a comic book, I'm the real deal, (laughs) and I really have to thank... Uh, my two guests tonight for that, uh, Van Jensen and Pete Woods of uh, DC Comics uh, fame, have uh, started their own comic book company. It's called Dark Horse Publishing, and they have this brand new comic series out, and it's called Cryptocracy. Cryptocracy, which is, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about on this program, you know, the Bilderbergs or some secret society, a uh, political subterfuge, you know, some elite group, some cabal backstage in the global theater, the puppet masters orchestrating, staging events, and so forth. That's what cryptocracy is about. Uh, and the very first issue uh, is going to be out in, in a very short time, I think in July. You'll be able to buy it just about anywhere in the world. And I, as I mentioned, your humble host is uh, featured in issue one. I, I'm on one of the pages, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Anyway, they're standing by, uh, Van Jensen, Pete Woods, and they'll tell you all about cryptocracy uh, in just a few moments. And then at the bottom of the hour, open lines, you, me, and the telephone. Now, a couple of weeks ago on the program, we had uh, Ambassador Lee Wanta, Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, Reagan's secret agent, also known as the $31.2 trillion man. And uh, um, the um, the ambassador and uh, his editor, Lon Gibby, were here uh, to tell Lee Wand his incredible story, how, he's appointed, how he was appointed by Reagan under the Totten Doctrine, became Reagan's secret agent, created the scheme to bring down the Soviet Union, uh, and he ended up, through various financial maneuvers, including a currency swap, destroying the Russian ruble, ending the Cold War, and amassing this huge fortune, which Reagan wanted him to return to the U.S. Treasury, these trillions of dollars, uh, for the benefit of all Americans, pay down their debt, pay it off, in fact, uh, invest in huge uh, infrastructure projects like uh, a high-speed rail system across the United States. Uh, So anyway, Lon uh, Gibby uh, and Lee Wanta were on a couple weeks ago to talk about that. And they, they made reference to an audio recording on the website 
uh, called eagle1towanta.com. And uh, this was a, an intercepted phone call between a former governor and a United States senator in which Gibby and Wanta allege uh, they are discussing uh, essentially taking what I understand to be bribe money for from Wanta. They want a piece of this action, in other words, uh, somewhere between five and ten billions, uh, ten five and ten billion dollars. Uh, and then anyway, we're gonna we're gonna play that uh, a snippet of that intercepted phone conversation again, allegedly between this former governor and a U.S. senator. Uh, that has been posted on Lee Wanta's website, Eagle One to Wanta. And then we'll bring Lon Gibby on as well, just to give us a bit of the background and to set the stage for this uh, uh, this audio clip. So it's just kind of a, an update and a follow-up to our program a few weeks ago. Uh, that's coming up after the bottom of the hour, and we'll also open up the phone calls for just general you know, questions, comments. And that's what we do here on Open Lines, obviously, here on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, Van Jensen is the writer of the Flash and Green Lantern uh, Corps for DC Comics, as well as Pinocchio, Vampire Slayer, and The Leg. He's an award-winning journalist and editor, and a former newspaper crime reporter. He's also a magazine editor, triathlete, aspiring banjo picker, an alumni magazine editor at Georgia Institute of Technology, attended University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and lives in Atlanta. Van Jensen, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm good, Richard. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, Pete Woods has illustrated most of the top characters in comics, including Deadpool, Robin, Catwoman, and Terminator. This is his first creator-owned series. He's a freelance cartoonist, illustrator, concept designer, storyboard artist, and visualizer and co-creator of Cryptocracy. Pete Woods, welcome to The Conspiracy Show to you. Hi, Richard. Thank you. Uh, so, let me just uh, make sure I have the history right, because, um, you know, I, when, when I was a kid, you know, the comics were, was, uh, you know, it was the Archies, and it was, uh, you know, Superman, Batman, and truthfully, uh, I sort of have, I'm, I'm a little out of touch when it comes to the comic book world, but my kids obviously are huge comic book fans, I know many of our listeners are comic book fans, and it's a true art form, it's a wonderful art form, um, but your association with DC Comics, are you both still working with DC, uh, freelancing with DC, and this is kind of an offshoot? Or tell me how this works to either of you, Van uh, or Pete. Yeah, so I'll let, go, I'll let, yeah, let Van go first. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm, not, I'm not working on anything uh, for DC at, at present. It's kind of the way that comic books work. They're sort of uh, work for hire, which is you work for a company, and typically that's Marvel and DC, which are the two big ones that everyone knows. And it's, it's really like a almost month to month contract basis. Um, and you know, those, those guys are great, but you also, um, you know, you kind of need to build your own things to build a career. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's really, you know, comic books, these are mostly monthly comic books. So, um, you know, you either work with one of the big publishers or you create your own thing, which is what cryptocracy is, and work with an independent publisher. And then, uh, yeah, they're distributed through comic book shops all over the world. I mean, DC and Marvel, I mean, that, those are the, I mean, those are huge. I mean, this is, this is as good as it gets in the comic book world, right? DC and, I mean, and, and Marvel. I mean, if you're working with, with one of those outfits, I mean, you're at the top of your game. Yeah, well, I, you said it, right? <laughs> All right. So that's what you said, man. 
so tell me about uh, Dark Horse Publishing. Uh, are you the two principals, the driving force behind Dark Horse, or? Dark Horse uh, has been around for for uh, twenty five years or longer, I believe. Ah, okay. um, they're publishing our our creator owned book, but um, they've been around for quite a while, long before us. If you've seen Hellboy or The Mask, um, they made those um, comics way back when. Those are creator owned comics that were published by Dark Horse. Oh, I see. Okay. So the inspiration for Cryptocracy, uh, where did that come from? Um, so quite a few years back, um, I, you know, I think just from sort of watching or reading a few too many stories that, you know, showed this big conspiratorial agency that was in control of everything. Um, but, you know, those, those groups are always in fiction. They're always evil and they're always mysterious and you never really see, you know, exactly who they are, why they do what they do. And, it, it just hit me, like, what if we actually saw the story from their perspective, you know, sort of like if the X-Files was told from the side of the smoking man, and what would that look like, and, you know, why would someone want to, you know, bother trying to control the world, and then what would be the thing that would scare a group like that? And what would scare a group like that? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it is is chaos. Um, you know, if, if, you know, sort of control, uh, is, is the, the main, you know, modus operandi of, of big conspiratorial agencies as, you know, these conspiracy theories so often posit, uh, the lack of control, the you know, sort of wildness of the world taking four would be the thing that would really put fear into them. That, you know what our story suggests is that this this chaos really comes in the form of you know a, a group and and particularly in in one individual so uh would the the a group like the Bilderbergs or maybe something like the illuminati would they would they be sort of the inspiration or the the model that you're basing uh your protagonist on yeah, I mean, we kind of even took it a level further. Like, if, you know, there are all these different groups, right? There's there's the Freemasons, the Illuminati, the Bilderbergs. Uh, you know, you can go on and on at, at all the groups that have been suggested. And, and we kind of looked at it as, like, this grand unified theory of conspiracies. Like, what if what if there was one group who had, over the years, sort of created and controlled all of these different offshoots? So I think kind of with everything, we tried to just take things one level further, but certainly all of the, you know, all these things that are rooted in fact certainly inspired our story. And for you, Pete, uh, I mean, is this, is your worldview informed at all by this, or is this, you know, just kind of a cool gig and, you, you know, you really wanted to illustrate this, or, I mean, does your interest in, uh, political subterfuge and conspiracy go beyond that? I mean, does it in fact inf- inform part of your worldview? Well, <clears throat> funny you mention it because um, Van and I were having a conversation. We were working together on a um, on a DC project and um, <clears throat> I, I don't think either of us remember how the subject came up, but we we, we both related a, a, an interest in conspiracies and 
and um, political intrigue and and all the weird stuff that 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 isn't covered everywhere. And um, Van had had this project that he was working on, and he, he once we realized that the two of us were interested in the same sorts of things, he brought it to me. So, a long story short, yes, um, I've always been interested in in conspiracy theories and uh, and strange strange goings on. All right, Van Jensen, Pete Woods, the two principals behind a brand new comic series. The first issue coming out in mere weeks. We'll tell you how to get a copy. And it's called Cryptocracy. Van Jensen is the writer of The Flash, Green Lantern, uh, for DC Comics, as well as Pinocchio, Vampire Slayer, and The Leg. Uh, Pete Woods has illustrated most of the top characters in comics, including Deadpool, Robin, Catwoman, and Terminator. Uh, and now, through Dark Horse Publishing, they are releasing again this new series that's called Cryptocracy. Uh, and yours truly is, is featured in that first issue. And we'll tell you all about that when we come back. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Hang in there. Big Brother is listening. And so are you. To The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. Uh, just a reminder, coming up at the bottom of the hour, open lines, and we'll also do a little update of uh, our, our program a few weeks ago with uh, Lee Wanta, Ronald Reagan's secret agent, the $31.2 trillion man. We're going to play a very interesting uh, audio clip from a uh, an intercepted telephone conversation between, allegedly, a former governor and a U.S. senator uh, involving uh, bribes and what sounds like a rather overt threat uh, to Mr. Wanta. And uh, Lon Gibby uh, will join us as well, uh, just to give us a little bit of background about this audio clip. Right now, the creators of Cryptocracy, Van Jensen, Pete Woods, uh, are with me. Now, let me just uh, read right here from the website, darkhorse.com. That's where you can find out more about Cryptocracy. From time beyond memory, the nine families watched from the shadows, believing themselves shepherds and manipulating whole societies as they saw fit. Nothing happened that they didn't observe or control. Outsiders knew not of the families, much less threatened them uh, until now. Uh, think of it as a blend of the X-Files and Marvel's AIM. Again, featuring art by Pete Woods of Deadpool, Catwoman, Superman, Action Comics, and uh, it's written by Van Jensen, who has also worked with uh, DC Comics in the past. All right, so uh, you... Uh, emailed me a couple of, uh, well, uh, about a month and a half, I guess, and, and I, I tell you, I was just blown away, not only by the artwork and the whole concept, and then to find out that I'm featured in issue number one. Now, uh, could you explain, either of you, uh, how I ended up in, in the comic book? Pete, I, I feel like that was, that was kind of your, uh, your idea initially to, to work some people into the artwork. Well, yeah, you know... <clears throat> We've, you know, we've been influenced a lot by, by shows like yours. And, you know, I, I started my career drawing late at night to Art Bell. And we just, we, we wanted to find people that, that were, were involved in the community and, and, and include them kind of, you know, you guys uh, are, uh, are being watched by uh, the people in charge. I just thought it was a, it'd be a fun nod to the people who are out there sharing this sort of information. Uh, now, so it's um, just so people don't, you know, misunderstand. I'm not, you know, the uh, a feature character or anything. I'm featured on a, on a page, and there's, I think, a group of, there's about nine of us, 
people like Jesse Ventura, Art Bell, uh, Clive Lewis from uh, Ground Zero, uh, George Norrie from Coast, of course, myself and others, and we're uh, we're up on this wall, almost like you know a most wanted wall, and we're being observed, I guess, by members of the families, which is this uh, secret society, uh, and they're concerned because. Radio programs like this and others are sort of exposing what they're up to. Is that the idea? Yeah, yes, exactly. Now, the idea of, of of telling this story from the perspective of of one of these elites, one of the members of this cabal, is is interesting. I mean, is 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 this person um, like a hero? Is he is he a, is he does he ha- is he ambivalent about what he's up to, or is he? I mean. It's it's interesting that you would choose to tell it from that perspective because most of us, you know, perceive these people as evildoers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to me that was what was so inherently and kind of immediately fascinating about the story idea because, you know, as I started to think about it, it's, you know, okay, so say that it is real, that there is this agency that controls everything. Well... Then, you know, that, that means that this, this entity and the, the people who run it have the power to make decisions that, you know, millions of lives rest upon. So even if they do have some sort of beneficial agenda, they still have to make decisions to sacrifice, you know, thousands of lives for the betterment of the rest of humanity. And it, it gets into that kind of morally gray territory where I, I think characters are way more fascinating, where it's it's not that, you know, golden age comic book, hey, this guy's good, this guy's evil, but, but really, you know, everyone is conflicted in their own way and people are, are sort of doing what they think best given really, really challenging and weird circumstances. It's it's interesting if I were to draw a parallel on television, I would I would probably cite Game of Thrones. And my my wife and I are, are sort of latecomers to that series, and we're binge watching. We're now we just completed season four, but we were we were talking about you know the characterizations on that show and how virtually all of them, uh, with a few exceptions, are just the most reprehensible characters uh, and reprehensible people. Uh, and yet, you know, the story is being told through their, through their perspective, from their perspective, and and you know, we, we're sitting there watching transfixed, and and uh, at times I can't believe, you know, that I have some, I don't know, empathy or sympathetic feelings towards one of these these horrible characters. Yeah, that's, that's definitely. Go ahead, I'm sorry, man. Um, these people don't see themselves as evil they you know an interesting character especially an interesting villain is someone who doesn't really believe that they think they're acting for the benefit of society not against it and these people from maybe from our perspective are are doing terrible things but from their perspective they their intentions are good, I believe. Uh, in our comic, I'm not talking about the rest of the world. Right. You know. Right. Uh, tell me, uh, describe Pete, if you would, sort of the um, the artistic sensibilities that you, you're bringing to this particular series, Cryptocracy. For people who haven't seen the cover, and I, I have tweeted it, 
uh, and they can go to darkhorse.com and, and, and see the cover of issue one. And it's fabulous artwork. But just sort of describe the mood and, the, and uh, the, 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 your style. Well, you know, I, I thought a great deal about how I was going to approach it. And so many of these these sorts of comics, if, if people do conspiracy stuff, it tends to be dark and muddy. And I wanted to do something that kind of changed the feeling, gave you a different impression. And so I went for something a little more stylized, a little while it, it, the palette can be muted in places and other places it's, it's very bright. And, um, yeah, I see you have the, the Denver International Airport for people on the, on the Google Hangout. You can see what we've done there. I tried to make it, you know, put it in a style that people could ease, find easily accessible. I wanted, I wanted, um, characters to be easily recognized and so things didn't get confusing. But yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's every artist has a different reason why they do things and a different approach to things. In terms that was of my thinking behind it. Uh, in terms of the writing, uh, the writing uh, Van, and, and sort of sketching out this, this storyboard, I mean, how far in advance? I mean, you've, issue one is, is, is ready for the printer, uh, but how far in advance are you sketching these stories uh, for cryptocracy? The, the whole first story arc, which is six issues, is fully scripted and has been for quite a while. Um, I mean, I, I'm a pretty organized writer, so... I, you know, had a, a very detailed outline finished uh, well more than a year ago. And, um, you know, even going back to when I, I first started developing the series, I mean, I, I kind of uh, maybe went overboard, but I took a bunch of 11 by 17 sheets of paper, taped them end to end to end and tacked them up on the wall and, and basically drew out, a, a, you know, sort of a, timeline of world history and then beside it an alt timeline of world history as shaped you know by these uh these secret forces to kind of map out you know how this would make sense and how how the family history would intersect with actual human history so yeah a a lot of uh, a lot of thinking and planning and plotting has has gone into building this what kind of um uh, overlap is there? I don't know if this is you can answer this question, but what kind of overlap? I'm sure you've done sort of you know research, market uh, marketing research, and so forth. But the kind of overlap between, let's say, f- uh, fans of this type of radio program uh, and and comic books in general. I mean, I, I think we really set out to make this. You know, it's it's an action adventure story, which I think is pretty accessible to you know a broad broad readership, but um, it's very much something that will singularly appeal to people who are intrigued by the, the concept of conspiracies. You know, it, um, and Pete and I aren't, you know, we aren't theorists. We aren't sort of obsessively tracking down, you know, one theory or another, but I think we both, you know, believe that there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we don't, uh, we don't have the truth in our hands and that things have been obscured. Um, and, and also more than that, we're just sort of fascinated by that world. So we both have been really well read in that subject area for a long time. And, 
worked really hard to just Im- imbue a lot of those kinds of specific details into the story. So, you know, I, I think people will like sort of generally the flavor of it as well as, you know, see a lot of very specific things that they'll recognize. Can you, without giving too much away, though, but can you give us a hint at sort of the uh, the story arc in terms of, um, like, is there a particular thing going on in the news these days that it might find its way into uh, into the series, cryptocracy, whether we're talking about something geopolitically or in terms of domestic politics, something that may have come up at a Bilderberg meeting. Can you give us a, a, a hint? Yeah. Um, let's see. The first issue has references to Piggate, the David Cameron scandal, which is kind of a, a, little, a little one uh, hidden in there. Um, it has uh, some references to sort of radical right-wing uh, American you know, conspiracy theorists. Um, there's uh, it gets into um, sort of uh, monetary uh, manipulation, uh, future energy. Um, I'm trying to think what else. It yeah, it, it goes into a lot of a lot of really uh, specific and kind of wide-ranging things. There's there's a whole, you know, kind of alternative theory on cryptids and where they come from and, you know, what exactly they are and what their role is in the world. Uh, but the, the very basic story is that, you know, these families have sort of operated with impunity for centuries, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, there's there's one person who has started killing them off one by one, and it's it's kind of the, the hunt to figure out what's really happening. Ah, sort of uh, like all the old Agatha Christie uh, murder mysteries. Uh, who is killing the great chefs of Europe? In this case, it's you know who are who is killing the uh, the members of the families. Is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. All right. Now this uh, so issue one is is ready to go to the printer. When can people actually buy issue one of Cryptocracy? Um, well, the first issue comes out, um, I believe, the 29th of June. So they can go to their local comic shop and, uh, or order it from Dark Horse Online um, on June 29th. And uh, I'm seeing the price here is uh, that's U.S. $3.99. Now, now, if this takes off, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm really hoping that it does, but issue one is, I mean, that's a big deal for people to own issue one. Do you find that the sales for the first issue are inordinately, you know, higher than subsequent issues, or how does it work? Enlighten me in terms of the comic book business. Do you want to take this, uh, man, you, or do you want me to? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the comic book business is kind of a weird business, but. Um, it is pretty collectible days, so a lot of times people will buy, you know, more heavily on a first issue with sort of the, you know, the thinking that if this, you know, becomes popular or becomes a movie or whatever, that it'll be worth more money down the road. I mean, I would, I would say for myself, I, I hope that people buy it to read it and, you know, if, if they want to share it with friends. So again, this will be available in comic book stores uh, around the world. Is that right? Yep. Yes, that's true. And it comes out June 29th. 
This is issue one of Cryptocracy, and the two creators, Van Jensen and Pete Woods. Uh, cover artist is Pete Woods. Not just the cover; you do all the, you do the uh, the artwork throughout, correct, Pete? That's correct. Yeah. The only thing I, I the only visual thing I don't do is the lettering. <laughs> all right, and um, well, listen. The best of luck to you. I got to thank you again for uh, honoring me by including me uh, in the first issue. They're uh, my uh, my boys think I'm like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Any, not to put you on the spot. Any chance I might end up in a in a subsequent issue? We could put you in there somewhere for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we can. I think we can. You know, we can find a place. Excellent, gentlemen. All the best of luck. Thank you so much. Pete Woods, Van Jensen, Dark Horse Publishing. Thank you. All right. Open lines. You, me, the telephone. Get it said. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Codes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers 416 360 0740 or toll free at 1 866 740 4740. All right, welcome back. Open lines, as the good man said. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've got the, uh, the phone lines now available to you, and uh, if you've got something of a conspiratorial or a paranormal uh, nature, we would love to hear from you. Uh, but before we do that, a little bit of um, housework here. And uh, I wanted to do a follow-up. I wanted to do this uh, last week, but uh, we ran out of time. Uh, several weeks ago, we had Lon Gibby on the program from uh, the Gibby Media Group. He's a, a producer. Uh, he has um, just completed a documentary film entitled Eagle One to Wanta, uh, which is about the, uh, the life in times of Ambassador Lee Wanta, Ronald Reagan's secret agent and the man who brought the Soviet Union, according to this tale, uh, and it, a remarkable tale it is, uh, he brought the Soviet Union to its knees through a series of financial maneuvers and currency swaps which netted Lee Wanta uh, $31.2 trillion in today's money. And that money has been returned to the U.S. Treasury, but it was it was intended, according to President Reagan's wishes, that money was to be used for the benefit, the betterment of the American people, uh, pay off their debt, uh, invest in huge infrastructure uh, projects, uh, build you know VA hospitals, high-speed rail trains, and so forth. Uh, and uh, so we spent the full two hours a couple of weeks ago talking about this remarkable story. And at that time, uh, both Lawn Gibby. And Lee referred to a, uh, an audio clip on the website, Eagle One Tawanta. And I uh, didn't have time to play it then, and uh, I, I'm going to play it now in a few moments. Uh, but I wanted to just sort of set the, uh, um, get the history right here and a little bit of a background before we play this clip. And uh, so I've invited Lon Gibby back to the program. Lon, of course, from Lon, or from Gibby Media Group. He is the publisher. Um, of um, Lee's uh, autobiography called Black Swan White Hats. And uh, Lon is also the producer of the aforementioned documentary Eagle One to Want. Lon, thanks for joining me on such short notice. How are you? Great. Great. Happy Father's Day. Same, same to you, my friend. All right. So this clip 
that you both talked about. This is uh, a telephone conversation between a, uh, a former governor. Is it a former governor of Tennessee? Yes, a governor of Ten- former governor of Tennessee, Don Sunquist, and uh, South Dakota State Senator Sheldon Songstad. Songstad, Senator yeah. Songstad, and is he still a, a, a sitting senator? Uh, no, they're, they're both retired. You know, they they had served their time, and, but they're still were. You know, this was in twenty. Uh, this was Labor Day uh, on uh, twenty in the year twenty fourteen. Okay, so the, and, yeah. th- this is a telephone conversation between these two gentlemen, and we're going to hear this clip in a moment. Just It's about a six-minute clip on your website, Eagle One Dewanta. People can go there, eagleonedewanta.com, and play the whole clip, but we're just going to play a snippet of it. Um, yeah. So how is it that you have this, how did you intercept this telephone conversation? This is a private conversation between a former governor and a, and a senator. Yeah, it, well, it's really interesting because um, Lee had asked me, uh, helping him as his communications director, to be on a number of uh, conversations with uh, both of them uh, for the previous couple of previous days to this happening. But anyway, on uh, Labor Day of 2014, they uh, tried to call me, and uh, they were trying to get through to, to just me. And so I called Lee, and I said, oh, should I? You want me to take this call? And he said, "Don't take that call." So that's why you'll hear my name mentioned in the in their brief at the start. Uh, they couldn't get through to me because Lee asked me not to to take the call. So they called his embassy phone, and uh, and of course Lee didn't pick up. And it's just one of those things for them that was. I'm sure they were really uh, bummed when they found out that they had accidentally left this recording six minutes. They didn't know they were recording the whole thing. And uh, it's it's quite revealing. It, it uh, there's so much information that you can glean out of that six minutes as far as you know how they were operating. You know when they didn't think other people were listening. Okay, so let me just repeat, uh, let me just um, summarize yeah. here. So this former uh, governor of Tennessee, Sunquist, and the uh, the former senator from South Dakota, Songstad, um, were on a conference call. They called Lee Wanta's phone number, intending to speak to him. He did not pick up, however. And then inadvertently, the two of them, I guess, forgot that they maybe, you know, they were supposed to be leaving a message, and they started talking amongst themselves, and all of that ended up on Lee Wanta's voicemail. That's correct. And that's exactly how they got this this recording, which... Um, and it was released right after that Veterans Day released it. A uh, number of uh, new, uh, news organizations released it, but it never did hit uh, mainstream news, which you, would be surprising. You'd think that this would have been picked up immediately. Okay, now, uh, former governor. I think we're going to play know? it when we come back because time is a little bit tight, right, Jamie? Okay, so we'll, we'll, uh, Lon Gibby is with us. He is the, um, uh, the producer of Eagle One to Wanta. This is a new documentary coming out about the life and times of Ronald Reagan's secret agent, Lee Wanta. When we come back, we'll, we'll play a snippet of this conversation between the former governor of Tennessee and a former senator of South Dakota. And, um, well, you're going to hear some pretty remarkable things. And then we'll get Lon to explain exactly what it is that we're hearing. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Do not go away. Providing the evidence 
and letting you draw your own conclusion. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarah. A quick shout-out. Native Alien, who uh, follows me on um, Twitter, celebrating a 60th birthday today. So uh, his handle, Native Alien, and uh, I wish you a, a happy birthday. All right, Lon Gibby is with us, Gibby Media Group, the producer of the documentary Eagle One to Wanta, and uh, also the editor of uh, Lee Wanta's autobiography. And, uh, okay, so we're going to hear this clip, and again, this is a, uh, we're going to hear about two minutes of it, a clip between former governor of Tennessee, Sunquist, and a former senator of South Dakota by the name of Songstad. And um, these two are discussing, uh, well, their dealings with, with uh, Lee Wanta. Let's listen. Well, he, he owes us, all of us, but we'll settle for half of it just to get out of this, just to get away and forget about it. He won't ever have to hear, worry about us again. Right. But he does owe us that money. So, anyway... And, and if he does, if he says he doesn't, then, then I, I'm going to ask him, what does he think, what do you think, Lee, that you owe us? Anything? For all that work? Anything? Well, says. Yeah, I can't say anything you want. I don't care anymore. All right. Well, let's figure out what, what's happening. Nice old Sheldon anymore. Well, we'll just have to. My soul children are going to have to ask his friends to help. Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, and uh, the question is going to be how fast can they act? Well, I'd say pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And they have ways of finding out where he is and how to reach him? Uh, I'm sure that's not a problem. I don't know how they do all that, but I don't. Not yeah, well, you don't want to know. I don't want to know some of that. No. Stuff. But does he have government protection? Who? Lee. Oh. Ah. Uh, they know that too, I guess, huh? He claims to, but I, you know, uh, I would, if it, I would hope he does, but, you know. Yeah. If he does, he's... I just can't imagine anybody as smart as he is is going to be screwing around over $10 billion, you know? Or even five. Or five, even, you know? Yeah. Huh. If I had that kind of money, I'd... And dealing with us, too, I'd give him 10 so fast it make your head spin. Just get rid of me. Me, too. Me, too. All right, there you are. That is, uh, and I have to say, alleged because I mean I I can't tell you that this is definitely the uh, 
These are the voices of former Tennessee Governor Sunquist and former South Dakota Senator uh, Songstead. But this is uh, these are this is a conversation that was left on inadvertently left on the voicemail of Lee Wanta. Alon Gibby is with us, uh, the producer of the documentary Eagle One to Wanta and the editor of Lee Wanta's autobiography. So, uh, Lon, explain now, why are these gentlemen looking for uh, $5 billion? They were, it sounds like they say they were promised 10, but they'd be willing to take half, $5 billion for the work that they, do, they did. What work? Well, they credit themselves with, uh, with Lee's money being restored or returned back to him. Which again, uh, it, it it had been put back into the treasury, but Lee still hadn't been able to access those funds. But they believed that he had, so they they felt that um, they were entitled to something for that, you know. And again, you know, sec- Title eighteen, Section two hundred one makes it clear what bribery is for former government uh, officials. Uh, if if, if, if it's in effect when they're in office and when they leave office. So you can't do those kinds of things. But, but if they did, did they do yeah. work for him? Were they promised money? Well, it's my understanding, and I was just on uh, a number of phone calls with Lee. As I wasn't in all those conversations just uh, earlier, a couple of days before, and they were expecting thirty billion dollars. And I, when I, after that conversation, I asked Lee. I said, "That's it was a shock to me because you know I." I'm a small businessman. I understand what, you know, one billion dollars, you know, is a thousand million, million, you know. So, so uh, can you imagine somebody expecting thirty billion dollars? And uh, they had it all divvied up to various people and layers that they were going to pay that would supposedly help them influence Congress and the president and the, the people that were holding back the money to the Federal Reserve. Uh, to get Lee's money restored back because again, remember a federal judge had, in 2006 had, had ordered that Lee's money be restored and he paid his taxes and repatriated that money. So they were, they so, were saying that they could help maybe pull some strings to help make sure that money got repatriated or brought to the that U.S. Is, Treasury. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. How do we and know, then, how do we know, Lon, that these are in fact, I mean, because this is pretty damning if, if what is being said on this phone conversation is correct. How do we know these are really the voices of Governor Sunquist and Senator Songstead? This could be anybody. Well, well my understanding is that, that it's all been verified to the intelligence community that true that is. But I, again, I, I heard, heard those same voices identifying themselves as the as the former governor of Tennessee. I was introduced to them, and uh, I heard their voices for uh, um, two or three previous phone calls. So that was those were the same exact voices. All right. I mean, that's just my first person. To, and and um, during the conversation, uh, yeah. one of them, I'm not sure if it was Governor Sunquist or Senator Songstead, says, well, how fast can they act? Who is they, and what does he mean by act? It sounds like well, he's, he's that's a threat. Well, that's been a very upsetting, that part of it, because... Um, Obviously, they have, you know, they have people that they would go to put the extra heat on, on, uh, on Lee, which is a real scary thing. I, I'm not sure what they were referring to, but it, you know, you fill in the blanks. What it sounded like to me, I mean, you heard it. It sounded to me like they were going to send some people out to, uh, and Lee's been threatened many, many times. So there's been people, and um, he does have protection 
Well, yeah, because immediately after, one of them, I believe it was the governor, asked Songstead, does he, meaning Lee, have government protection? Uh, so you put those two together, yeah. it does sound like a threat. Yeah, it sounds like a threat, and it sounds like they had the authority or the ability. Because remember, these are high-level people. They're, they're actually working very high up in the Republican Party, you know, which, again, I'm, I've been a Republican. I am a Republican, but I'm very upset to think that people that were elected officials would be talking this way. All right. I mean, I've never heard anything like this in my entire life. I was shocked. And, and um, after you, I was stunned when I heard that. After you published this on your website, did uh, have governors, uh, Governor Sunquist and Senator Songstead ever tried to uh, issue a statement, deny it? Have they come after no, you? No, it's never been denied. If you go on the internet, you'll find that it's really kind of been just kind of swept under the under the rug. I understand both of them had some, uh, some pretty serious illnesses that came up suddenly. I don't know much about that. Uh, Lee could comment on that. Uh, but, you know, that's typically what happens when people get in trouble. They get sick or, you know, have to, you know, they're, 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 they're unavailable for, for commenting because they might have had a stroke. Or so there were whatever. no more, there were no, yeah. there were no yeah. more threats. There were no more conversations with Lee no. about demanding this money. It all stopped. No, that all stopped immediately. And there have been no, com- that's my understanding, there's been no communication. At least I, that I, I've been with it, 32 between these gentlemen, these people and, uh, we. All right. Listen, Lon, thanks for coming on again last minute. And again, I will direct people to the website, eagle1towanta.com, if they, and go to the audio section if they want to listen to that clip for themselves. It's about six minutes. We played about two. And again, yeah. allegedly the, the context, you know, it's yeah. really interesting to hear the start all the way through. And you hear it in context and, and what they were talking about. And again, these are allegedly the voices of Governor Sunquist and uh, of uh, Tennessee and uh, Senator Songstad from South Dakota discussing during a telephone conversation what appears on the surface to be uh, demanding a bribe from Lee Wanta and then uttering what appears to be a threat. So people can go on uh, to eagle1towanta.com and listen to the full six minutes and uh, make up their own minds. Lon, thank you again for this. Hey, you're welcome. Glad to be there, and thank you for your efforts to get the, the, some of the truth out that you're working on. So, thank you. All right, eagle1towanta.com and eagle1towanta, that documentary uh, available to moviegoers soon. And, of course, uh, the autobiography of uh, Lee Wanta, Black Swan, White Hats, edited by Lon Gibby. All right, uh, let's see. Here's our media scientist friend, Nelson Thal. Welcome, Nelson. How are you? Are you there, Nelson? Nelson, go ahead. You're on, my friend. Yo, good evening. I just want to just say, hey, the show's going great, and I just want to remind everybody that the TV show's going to start uh, the fourth season. Uh, I'm a researcher of it, and it's a great show. There's some great shows there. just want to remind people not to miss it. Well, thank you. Yes, Nelson Thal is our um, researcher, frequent guest on this program, and uh, thank you for that plug, Nelson. Monday, June 27th. So, um, Richard, can I have a moment and talk shop with you about the Wanta stuff? Yeah, we've got about two minutes here. Okay, well, you know, it was the exclusive story on Wanta was put out by Sherman Skolnick on Cloak and Dagger. All right. And, and the early stories, it's very interesting, and um, it, all the stories are spun, let's remember, folks. <laughs> They're all spun, 
And the job of our researchers here uh, in the counter-propaganda department is to unspin the spin. Correct, Richard? Yes, yes, as, as well as that can be done. I mean, <laughs> well, the first reports, the first reports about Wanta that from Skolnick were there was a Treasury Department master engraver. Yeah, I've heard you. You've asked him that, and I've asked. I've asked him that. Counterfeiting machines and had machines that beat the Russians. The Russians were, banks were unable to identify it, and that's how they brought down. So the early reports by Skolnick is the way they did it was not this calls and puts and this way. What they did is they had a master engraver print up the money, and the money could be the, uh, the Russian banks. They took control of the Russian monetary system. Well, I understand. I've asked Lee that. Master I've, engraver. Okay, I've talked to Lee uh, three times in the last several years, uh, and I've asked him about that, and he said that was, that's never been the case. I've asked Marilyn Barnwell that, who worked with uh, Lee previously. So who knows? Uh, well, that's I, right. It's always, but it's not something to for to to miss because remember, it, the, the story was that they went to a rich arrest. Gore went to arrest Mark Rich. Clinton's commando team stopped it, and that's why yeah, Foster got wound up dead. Thank you, Nels. Always good to hear from you. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Albert. Back next week with a brand new program. What are we doing next week, Albert? Oh, Dr. Lana Marconi. She's got a brand new film out, and uh, we'll talk uh, to her and some of the guests on that program. And then an hour of open lines, correct? Yes, another open line session. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.